Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you, worship team. Hey, Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, thank you for joining us here this morning. Thank you for joining us online. Those of you who are watching online, thank you at the Rossville campus. No matter how you're here, we're glad you're part of our service today. I know a lot of folks traveling in summertime, but thanks for even tuning in when you're on vacation and, and traveling. Matthew chapter 6. So I started last week a uh, sermon series I'll do majority of the summer called FAQs, and we're really looking to do Matthew 6 and 7. And Here's what I noticed in Scripture is that Jesus took and um, answered in Matthew 6 and 7 that, that second part of the Sermon on the Mount. He answered the questions we have about the Christian life. And I just, I just kind of, as I was reading through it, just for, uh, not really for Bible reading, just noticing the passage, I saw what, what Christ was trying to do. And so I want to answer your questions the way Jesus did about the Christian life. And so last week we looked at how to be righteous without being self-righteous. Now, the next two sermons, now they're going to be interrupted by a couple of weeks, so don't miss, but the next two sermons are going to deal with prayer because that's what Jesus did. He kind of gave us a two-part teaching on prayer. So here's what I want to talk about the first sermon. How do I develop a prayer life? How do I develop a prayer life? Can we be honest today? How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you have ever felt as if heaven is not listening to your prayers? Have you ever felt that way? Be honest. You ever felt that my prayers are Fallen on deaf ears. Maybe you feel like this guy in Dublin. I, I used this guy in Dublin as an illustration a long time ago, but I want to I want to show it to you again. The Dublin airport received a total. The Dublin airport received a total of thirteen thousand five hundred and sixty nine noise complaints in twenty twenty one. Thirteen thousand five hundred and sixty nine noise complaints in twenty twenty one. The interesting thing about that is. The airport received 12,272 of them by one person. By one person. According to the local media, the individual accounted for 90% of the complaints received by the airport operator, all because of the noise due to taking off and landing at Dublin Airport. Now, I I, I get, you know, when you move next to an airport, you're going to have to assume you're going to hear airport noise, but I guess this guy didn't. Before he started sending in complaints in 2021, they received an average of 1,500 complaints a year. If you look back and do the math, they only got about 1,300 this year from everybody else. They received 12,000 from one guy. Not only that, by the time this news article had, had, had come out, uh, at the end of March in 2022, he had sent in, by the way, this amounts to, let me put this in perspective. This is, this is 33 complaints a day on average. That's more than one an hour. Like, uh, so here we know some things. He doesn't have a job and he doesn't have a girlfriend, right? Like if you can do that. If you can do that, you have nothing else going on in life. But for the first quarter of 2022, he had already made 5,276 complaints by the end of March. 
That's his personal record. He was averaging 33 a day last year. And so far this year, he's upped his game and he's averaging 58 complaints a day. He has gone in 2021 from 33 complaints a day to 58 complaints a day. The dude is up in his game, man. He is getting stronger and stronger. And I guess here's the deal, right? The noise is still coming. Planes are still taking off and landing. And whoever this guy is, he feels like he's not being heard. We, we can empathize with that feeling of not being heard, right? Because there are times it feels like our prayers aren't getting answered. And to be truthful, if we could go somewhere on the internet and lodge a heavenly complaint, we would go lodge a heavenly complaint ourselves. But the good news is you don't have to. Somebody's already done it for you. Because the, the prophet Habakkuk said this, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? The prophet had already lodged the same complaint that we feel sometimes in our lives. And I'm glad he said it so we could just read the verse because it's how we feel sometimes, right? How long, Lord, must I call for help? Lord, how long do I have to complain? Lord, how long do I have to see this tragedy going on in my life? And I cry out to you and I call out to you. And yet, Lord, you do not listen. And Lord, you do not save. I mean, that's saying it as plainly. You and I would never dare say it that plainly. We feel that way, right? It's like we're sending up prayers, but nothing is happening and heaven is not responding. And so Jesus dealt with that situation. Jesus dealt with it for his disciples because here's where we were. Uh, The disciples have had this ability to talk to Jesus face-to-face. What we would call prayer now, they're actually doing face-to-face. And here's what Jesus knows. We're not far away from this thing not being face-to-face anymore. We're not far away from them not being able to wake up in the same house with Jesus and talk to him about spiritual things and needs in their life. And now the healing is not going to be right before your eyes with the hand of Jesus and all those things that have been going on and so Jesus is trying to prepare them for when he's going to ascend on high and now that relationship with God is has to be carried on through prayer by the way he's teaching it to his disciples because that's how our relationship has to be carried on is through prayer our approach to prayer is what the disciples had to morph their relationship into. And so in this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, God prepared them as well as preparing us for having a relationship with God in prayer. And so I want to look at that over two weeks. And today, I want to lay the groundwork. Jesus did two things in this teaching on prayer. He laid the groundwork on on how to develop a prayer life, and then he talked about how to pray. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay the groundwork today on how to develop a prayer life, and then we're going to talk about how to pray in the next sermon in a couple of weeks. So I'd, I'd encourage you to take notes and let's stand together as we honor God's word by reading it in Matthew 6, uh, beginning in verse number five. And if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. Matthew chapter six, verse number five. Here, here's what he said. Jesus talking. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret 
we'll reward you. Or, or we might even say, we'll answer you, we'll hear you. Verse number seven, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Thank you, you may be seated. So let me walk you through Jesus' teaching on prayer, right? We, we look at verse number five and Jesus says this, that whenever you pray, that prayer was a foundational part of Jewish piety. It didn't mean that their prayers were always answered, but Jews knew how to pray. And once again, we stumble into the hypocrites. We stumbled into last week. They're at work again, and they're praying, Jesus said, is always on public display. Look at how he said it. They're always praying, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. In effect, here's how we would say it, that they're great to pray in church. They love to come to the stage and pray in church. They love to stand out in the parking lot and pray in the parking lot where everybody can hear them. But they're not praying so God would hear them. They are praying so others would hear them pray. So back, we're dealing with the hypocrites. They gather the crowd just so people can hear their pray. And the Bible says that their reward is just that, that people get to hear their prayer, but God doesn't get to hear their prayer. So in reality, they're not getting out of prayer what they wanted to get. So then we go to verse number six again. And he said, when we pray, we're to go into a private room. Notice what it says, go into your private room. Now, some translations will translate that closet. Some uh, translations may translate it inner sanctuary. In In the original Greek, it was a room in the interior of the house. Think of it this way. You know how when a tornado warning sounds that you're supposed to go to, a, to an inner room? That's exactly the word that's being used here. It's a, it's a room without windows. It's a, it, the emphasis on a strictly private location. And he says that you are to go into that room and literally even shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. So, so Jesus is telling us that, that you're to go in the private room, you're to pray to your father who's in secret. Now, it's not just saying, notice there's two, two secrets here being used, that basically you're to go into a secret room and you're to pray to a secret father, meaning that your prayers are not meant to be public display. But you go into that secret room and by, by getting alone and quiet, you're minimizing distractions and you're really spending time in relationship with God. And here's what he says, the God who sees in secret will reward you openly. The whole world doesn't need to see your praying, but the whole world would benefit from seeing the results of your prayers. In verse number seven, one of the uh, most talked about words in the original language, when you pray, don't babble. The word in the Greek there for babble is a word that sounds like the word babble, right? It just means to a lot of noise without content, a lot of a lot of audio without content, a lot of talk without content. That's what the words mean, because we're not going to be heard because of our many words. So here, let me put it in this context for us as a church, that church words won't get your prayer answered. That flowery words won't get your prayer answered. What gets our prayer answered? Normal talking with God will get your prayer answered. Here's what that means. The length of your prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying, praying a long time. There are times that we need to pray for hours on end. There are times that we need to stay up all night and pray. But understand this, that Jesus is trying to say this, that more words do not equal answered prayers. More words 
do not equal answer prayers. We could even say it many different ways. Flowery words do not equal answer prayer. Christian words do not equal answered prayers. None of that is what gets our prayer answered. So understand that flowery words, so what are we looking for here? God is looking for sincerity and transparency in our prayers. In verse number eight, he even goes so far as to say it this way. Verse number eight, he says this, don't be like them because your father knows what you need before you ask. So here's the big question of prayer, right? If he knows what I need, then why do we have to talk about it? Because he's looking for communion, faith, dependence. And I'll unpack that a little bit more in a second. So how do, based on those few verses, how do we develop a prayer life? Can I tell you five things about prayer? I'd love for you to jot them down. They're so simple this morning, but as I lay the foundation for the sermon, uh, uh, for the next sermon, I want to I help you how do we develop a prayer life? Because Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, 5, and 8 some very peculiar, uh, particular things about how to develop that prayer life. So let me give you five. Number one, here's what we need to know about prayer, that anybody can pray, not, but not everybody gets heard. Anybody can pray, but not everybody gets heard. So here, here's what Jesus told us, right? That the Pharisees were praying, that the Pharisees had long prayers, that the Pharisees had eloquent prayers, but God wasn't listening to a word of their praying. Now, now the fact is, anybody in this room can pray. Anybody in this room can pray. Anybody watching online can pray. Anybody at Rossville, like we, any of us can pray. But here's the truth. Just because we pray does not mean God is going to hear and answer our prayers. You say, well, preacher, that doesn't seem fair. If I'm going to take the time to prayer, pray. If I'm going to take the time and the energy and the resources and the work and put it into prayer, shouldn't God then be kind enough to hinder my, uh, to answer my prayers? But I want to tell you, there's at least four things I find in the Bible that would cause your prayers not to be answered. Let me give them to you. Number one is this. Why will my prayers not get answered? Number one is salvation. God is under no obligation to answer the prayers who are those are not his children. Now, the world will tell you that we're all a child of God. Can I tell you that is absolutely not true. We're all a creation of God, but we're not all God's children. Those who know his son as the Lord and Savior of uh, their lives, those are the children of God. Everybody else, as a matter of fact, is the enemy of God, according to the Bible. Jesus made it plain. If you're not with me, you're against me right? We're all the creation of God, but we're not all the children of God. And so if you are here today and you are not a Christian, listen, God is under no obligation to hear your prayers. And the Bible even indicates that God does not hear your prayers. You say, well, it doesn't seem fair. Well, of course it does. The neighbor kids don't come to me when it's their birthday. I'm not getting them anything. I actually don't even care that it's their birthday. If, if the neighbor kids fall down, and, and I don't, by the way, any of my neighbors are watching, <laughs> love your kids, but we don't have any little kids that live around us, so I'm, I'm good on this, I think, but I, th- they, they get bumps or bruises, they don't come running to our house, they run to mom and dad. They need money for school, they don't come to our house, they go running to mom and dad. Why? Because that's what you do. 
You go to your own parents when you have a need. And I want to tell you, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, your prayers simply are not going to get answered because he answers the prayers of those that are his, and you must be saved in order to be a child of God. So why are my prayers not getting answered? It could be that you're not even a Christian. Number two, why are my prayers getting answered? You say, well, I'm saved. Well, number two, it could be sin. You say, well, will that actually hinder my prayers? Now, listen, let me say this. Nowhere does the Bible indicate we have to be perfect to get a prayer answered. In my next sermon, I'll talk about what to do when you have sin in your life. But here's the problem. The problem is willful disobedience before God. Willful disobedience before God. That if you have a sin in your life that you refuse to let go of and you know it's wrong and you do it anyway, it is absolutely pointless for you to bow and pray. Isaiah told us this in Isaiah 59. Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save and his ear is not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities are separating you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. He does not listen. The problem is our iniquities and our sin that is in our life, it stops the Lord from hearing our prayers. So you say, well, I'm a believer. That's great. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm not saying you don't have to have any wrong in your life. I'm saying if there is willful disobedience in your life, if there is willful iniquity, if there is willful sin, then sometimes when you pray and it feels like heaven is closed, your prayer might need to be, search me, O God. Try me and see if there is any wicked way in me. You've got to be saved. You've got to get Number three, what to keep my prayers from being answered? God, hear me. Number three is skepticism. What do you mean by that? Lack of faith when you pray. God makes it clear that if he wants you to have faith when you pray. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says this, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. There is, a, there is an element of prayer that dictates that we must believe the God we're praying to has the power to answer our prayers. Can I ask you this? Why are we asking if we don't believe he can and will on our behalf? It'd be pointless to pray if we don't believe that God can really do it. And so the Lord says that is an element of prayer that you've got to get rid of the skepticism, have faith that I can pray. Number four, uh, why are my prayers not getting answered? Then uh, number four is selfishness. The prayer of the Pharisee was selfish. They were praying to be seen, not heard. And they're praying their will, not God's will. As a matter of fact, look at this, 1 John five fourteen. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. According to his will, he hears us. God is not a cosmic Santa Claus to give you whatever you want. The Bible says our praying should be centered around your, his will and not selfish praying. So anybody can pray, but not everybody can, will be heard. Have you ever been, this all happened to you, and I can just say this and move on. Have you ever been at a party or something, been in a room full of kids, and the parents are talking and the kids are talking, but you hear one of those kids cry out in pain or anguish and they'll cry out, mom, dad. And you know, immediately, 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 you know, it's your child. How do you know that? You know their voice and their cry. That's what prayer is. Prayer is God knowing 
your voice. He immediately recognizes the voice of his children. Those who are his, those who are in a right relationship, those who believe, those who have a kingdom mindset. Listen to me this morning. If you aren't getting your prayers answered, then run through this checklist one more time. If your prayers aren't getting answered, could it be that you don't know Jesus as your Savior? Could could it be that you're not really a born-again child of God? It could be. Could be that you have a willful disobedience in your life that you're here this morning and there's something in your life and you know it and you know it's wrong and God has dealt with you and you continue to gloss it over but yet go to him in prayer. God will not answer. Could it be a lack of faith? Could it be selfishness? When's the last time you did an inventory of your prayer time and your prayer list and is there anything kingdom minded on your prayer in your prayer time at all? Listen, anybody can pray, but not everybody gets heard. And Jesus wants you to know that if you're not a child of his, your your prayers are not getting answered. And if you're a child of his, but yet you have willful disobedience in your life, blatant sin in your life, that you have no faith in selfish praying, your prayers do not get heard. Second thing he wants to tell us about prayer, number two, we'll just call it this, when you pray. When you pray. How do we develop a prayer life? Number, number two, it's about when you pray. Now, notice why I say this. because Notice the words of Jesus, verse number five, whenever you pray. Verse number six, when you pray. Verse number seven, when you pray. There is this expectation that the, of the child of God that you will spend time in prayer. There's an expectation by God. He said it three successive verses in a row. Verse 5, verse 6, verse 7. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Now, can we all acknowledge this this morning? Can we all be transparent this morning? Can we all acknowledge this? Prayer is hard work. Can I get an amen right there? It's hard work. Can we all acknowledge this, that time, finding time for prayer is difficult to find. Can, can we all acknowledge this, that prayer is absolutely spiritual warfare, that when I bow my heart and my head in prayer, all the demons of hell that feel like come against me in prayer and they bombard me. Can I say this? Knowing all of that, knowing that prayer is hard and time is hard to find and the devil fights me on it, hear me, you still must pray. I know it's hard. You still must pray. For the child of God, it's not if, but it's when. If you want to get a prayer answered and you want a life of answered prayers, you have to spend time building your relationship with Jesus in prayer. You know, I'm afraid there's some things in this world that have ruined our Christian life. That once we have these filters of the modern world, we apply them to the Christian life and they don't translate into the Christian life. For example, we, we, we tend to think that Prayer is a little bit like ordering from Amazon, right? Let, let, me show, let me show what I mean by that. Amazon ships 1.6 million packages a day. That works out to 66,000 orders per hour or 18 and a half uh, per second. And they have over 350 million, by low estimates, over 350 million products for sale on Amazon. So here's the cool thing about Amazon. You do it. I, I do it too. I do it all the time. When you roll onto Amazon.com anytime, anywhere, and you find what you need, and it'll be at your doorstep in two days. 
And if it's not, we're angry about it. So we've taken that mindset of Amazon and we've transferred it over to the Christian life. We thought, well, God, if Amazon can answer my prayer in two days, why can't y'all? Why can't you? Here's how we pray. We pray like we're ordering on Amazon. God, I'd like to have a box of health. Uh, Give me a package of wealth. And wait a minute, uh, I'll throw in good kids for $5 to get free shipping. That's That's what I'd like to have today. Give me health, give me wealth, and for the free shipping, throw in some good kids. God is not Amazon. God is a, God's, God's not a shopping cart. God is a relationship that has to be developed through time spent with him. So the question is, when do you pray? Because it's not if you pray for the child of God, it is when you pray. Here's my question to you. Oh, preacher, I pray throughout the day. That's not what God wanted. That is nowhere indicated in the scripture that you're just to pray throughout the day. Is praying throughout the day great? It is. But God indicated that there should be a specific time of prayer. We're told about Daniel. We looked at Daniel this past week in the men's prayer breakfast. We're told about Daniel that three times a day at the specific times he went in to pray. We're told about Jesus getting up early in the mornings to pray. We're told about Jesus staying awake late at night to pray. You must have a time to pray and ask yourself, when do I pray? How much time do I spend praying? If, can I say this? If you pray when you get around to it, the devil will make sure you never get around to it. When you pray. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. Number three, he told us about developing a prayer life. He talked about where you pray. I'll just hit this and move on. It's obvious. God dictated this, that you are to go into a private place. Can I tell you this, that you will never develop a prayer life if you don't have a private place to go. You need a hideaway, a secret place, an inside place, even an outside place, somewhere you can go so that you can focus on God and pray. Now listen, I know, I know. I'm in a sweet spot of life. I know that. I've I've been through the earlier stages of life. I know where I am. I'm an empty nester with a... 3,000 plus square foot house, and it's me and my beautiful bride. That's it. We got it all to ourselves. I got rooms I can go into to pray. I can hide anywhere in the house. I got a basement. I can go hide in the back. There's all kinds of, I got an office, but I'm in go And I know, I know if you've got little kids, I know it's a different stage of life, right? I get all that. I get all that. I get it. Uh, we were on vacation last week, all of us together in one condo. I'd get up at 5.30 every morning and take my Bible, go in the living room, and I kid you not, within 10 minutes of being up, my three-year-old Jax come running in, got, came out of his bedroom, turned the sound machine off, come running in the living room and said, PJ, PJ, read a book, read a book. I get it. That's, you're in that stage of life. I know where you are. But here's the truth. You have to find a place and a time where you can get along with God. It doesn't have to be in your house. It can be outside your house. It needs to be free from people distractions. Hold on. It needs to be free from device distractions. It needs to be free from work and home distractions. If you literally have to go into a closet, go into a closet, spend time praying with God. My home, every morning we get up and 
my wife has a spot to do her quiet time. I go into my office to do my quiet time, and I'll read my Bible, and I read, I read, I've told you many times, do my two-year Bible reading plan, and then I, I read a spiritual book, and I read a devotional, and all that takes a little bit of time. Then I go freshen up my coffee. I walk by my wife while she's reading her Bible, and I say, hey, I'm about to pray, so I'm shutting my door, and I'll come out when I'm finished praying, however long that takes. There have been times in my life where I've sat in my car. I, I've, I've driven to work early and sat in my car somewhere, and hid from the world in my car. But I'm going to tell you this, to develop a prayer life, you need the confidence that you are alone with God. It's not just when you pray. Jesus felt it important enough to give us a whole verse on where you pray. So let me ask you, where is your place of prayer? When is your place of prayer? Those two things will make or break your prayer life. Number four, and I'm going to give you five, but number four, how you pray. God says this, don't babble, babble. Prayer is a respectful conversation with God. Let me tell you what prayer is not. Prayer is not reciting a litany of wants. Prayer is not you impressing God with your biblical knowledge. Prayer is not you working on your Sunday school language skills. Prayer is not a memorized formula out of a book. So many people wonder how to pray like what words do I say the fact is prayer is a conversation with God by the way prayer is not cutting your mind off and just saying what you always say your prayers do not have to be flowery language they do not have to be filled with nonsense you just have to have a conversation with God as a matter of fact God goes on to say if your prayer is filled with nonsense there's a least less likely chance they'll be answered matter of fact if your prayer sounds like this it may not get answered and then going to church can be a little intimidating sometimes. Like you're trying to look for the right church. You'll never find the perfect church. So you just stop looking for the perfect church because you ain't perfect. Well, I went to one church and uh, the pastor was like, I want you to pray with your neighbor. I'm like, my neighbor don't go to this church. <laughs> you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. So they explained to me, your neighbor is the person next to you. I'm supposed to pray with some lady I don't even know? What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help them hairs to stop growing on this lady's chin, Lord. I don't... What am I supposed to pray about? I don't even know her. If she went first, man, she must have been John the Baptist's auntie or something, man. Because she prayed all good. She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse, Lord, of the book of Matthew, Lord, the 601st word on page 1297, Lord. Lord, you said, seek, search, Lord. You are the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, the King of Kings. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. Now she's looking at me like it's my turn to pray. Well, I'm not going to let her out pray me. So I'm like, all right, dear God, God, I just, you, I just, I just can't fight this feeling anymore, Lord, you know, because I know, Lord, that nationwide, you're on my side, God, and because choosy moms choose Jesus, Lord, you know, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, again, proof to the night, I believe I can fly, Amen. Uh, that's not how you pray, right? Choosing moms, choose Jesus. That's not how you pray. 
Say, how do we pray, preacher? You have a conversation with God. Can I remind you, he's God, and you can't impress God. Just talk to him. We'll look at that next time. Number five, I'm finished. Number five is the big question, why you pray. I've been saying it over and over again, but please don't leave until you hear me say this. God knows everything you need. All right, God knows everything I need, so why? Why do I have to go through the trouble prayer? If God knows what I need, why even go through this ridiculous exercise? Why did he, doesn't he just give it to me? Here's why. Because God wants a relationship with you. And here's our trouble. We tend to view prayer as this binary activity in our lives that, uh, that I'm going to pray and I'll either get a yes or a no. A yes or a no. So we've got a binary activity going on in our life. There's only one of two possible answers. One answer is yes, one answer is no. That is absolutely not what prayer is. Prayer is a journey, not a binary activity. And God wants prayer to be a journey. Yes, he knows what you need, but he just wants the process of prayer so the two of you can grow closer together. And can I tell you this? Your needs even change as you pray and as you grow closer to God. Why pray when he knows everything? Because what he really wants to know is you. Close your Bibles. I'm finished. My oldest grandson, Jax, uh, just turned three. He can, uh, he can read. I turned the sound on for you, but I, I want you just to watch it. He, 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 we just discovered in the last few weeks, Josh McCutty, that he can, he, he, he can sight read. He can sound out words. He's had this love for the alphabet since he was about 18 months old. As a matter of fact, this is a video my wife took of him. We took him outside to play. He couldn't play because he found the car tags on our car and was so fascinated by reading all CFT 9238 and everything else on there, we couldn't pull him away to play. He just wanted to read car tags all afternoon because he loved the alphabet. And so my, my wife taught him the ABC song, you know, the song you learn in first grade, she taught him the ABC song and everything became about the ABCs. The puzzles were about the ABCs. The books were about the ABCs. Everything you did with Jax had to revolve around the ABCs, everything. So I'd set him in my lap. We'd set him in our laps. All of us did it. And we'd sing the ABC song, sing the ABCs and we'd go over the ABC books. You know something? I know my ABCs. I didn't even need the practice. I've known them for a long time. Like I, I didn't even, I'd say, Jax, let's, let's say our ABCs. There could not have been a more pointless activity for me. But I wasn't trying to learn the ABCs. I was trying to build a relationship. And the reason we go out and look at car tags with jacks. It's not because we need to learn the alphabet, but because we want to know him and we want to let him know us. I knew everything he's talking about, but I played along because I wanted the relationship. Now, if you can take that mindset and transfer it to you and God in prayer, does he know everything? Of course he does. 
but he wants to know you. And he wants for you to know him. And the why of our praying, and the reason we develop a prayer life, is so the two of us can get to know one another. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that message this morning. Hey, your prayer life matters. Your communication with Christ on a daily basis, that is something that demands attention. You know, I heard a pastor use an illustration one time about if you only talk to your spouse in, in 30 second increments daily, maybe you, you hop up and, and you say a few things to them for just a few seconds and then maybe, maybe, maybe you call them in the middle of the day and have like a 15 second conversation with them, but then you go home and you're tired and so you just don't even deal with it and you go straight to bed and you don't have any kind of discussion or communication with your spouse, you're not gonna have a very healthy marriage if communication is not a part of that. And so if you would work on communication in your marriage or even with in just relationships uh, that you find yourself in, your friendships and your coworkers and those type of situations, if you took those seriously, then why wouldn't we take our communication with Christ seriously? The risen King, the one who puts very breath in your lungs, why would you not focus on your communication and your prayer life with Him. And so, I pray that as a Christian today, you were encouraged that you found yourself in that message somewhere. Maybe it's the when you pray. Maybe it's the where you pray. But you get intentional about your prayer life and developing that discipline in your own life. Hey, can I tell you today, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And can I say today that if you've not made that step and you're trying to focus on your prayer life, you're you're kind of not focusing on the thing you need to be focused on. Because here's the truth. To have access to the Father, you got to know Him. And you got to know Him on a personal level. And that, that begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ, a moment in time where you put your faith and trust in Him, that you surrender your life to Christ Jesus. And so today, I want to walk you through that process. And so wherever you are uh, right now, maybe you're at home sitting on the couch, maybe you're in an airport somewhere, maybe you're traveling with family, wherever you find yourself in this moment, just find a still spot and just bow your head and let me walk you through what it means to become a Christian. And becoming a Christian really is very simple. It's as simple as A, B, and C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner, that you can't save yourself. B, you've got to believe that Christ died on the cross, that he rose again on the third day and he ascended into heaven where he remains even now. And so you can't just believe that that's a fictional tale. You've got to know for a fact that, that is a true story, that it really happened, that Christ is who he says he is. And then finally, you've got to commit your life, confess your sins, commit your life to Him. And so we do all of that in the form of a prayer. And let me be clear, it's not the prayer that saves you, it's the intent of your heart uh, to give your life to Jesus. That is where your salvation is found. And so wherever you are right now, I want to lead you through a very, very simple prayer. And so I would encourage you, find a still moment and just tell God this. Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you died on the cross, that you rose again on the third day, and that you are alive this morning. God, I ask that you would come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, give me a home in heaven, save me. Lord, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Hey, can I tell you today that if you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, 
you are now a Christian. Welcome to the family. And so we are so, so excited for you and that decision you made this morning. And here's the thing, we don't want you to have to do this Christian life alone because if you find yourself in a situation uh, where you are not walking alongside believers, you're not walking in the disciplines of faith, then you're going to have a very difficult time as a Christian. So we, we want to make sure we resource you, we connect with you, and we help you uh, take your next steps on your faith journey. And so if you would, right now, pull out your phone and text I did to the number 97,000. That's I-D-I-D to 97000. And we just want to send you some information in the mail to connect with you and help you as you begin your faith journey with Christ. And so do that just now, or you can just click the link we've dropped in the chat box uh, this morning. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for worship here at Pivine this morning. Hey, Pivine Online, we love you, we appreciate you, and we are thankful for you. We hope you have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday right here at Pivine Online. Take care. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.